Hello there. We're Vincent Elliott McNally. Yes, the great-great-grandsons of map-making mogul Rand McNally. And we'll be your hosts and tour guides on a trip across America, one small town at a time. In the spirit of our great-great-grandfather, we're traveling the country writing the family's first almanac in over 50 years. Towns and Country, the McNally Brothers' comprehensive guide to small-town America. Each week we'll be in a new town, and after getting to know the place and the people, we'll tell you, the listener, all there is to know. In a show we call These Parts, a podcast putting towns on the map. Hey listeners, and welcome again to another episode of These Parts. I am one of your hosts, Elliot McNally, and with me as always is my friend, traveling companion, confidant, mentor in many ways, my brother, Vince McNally. How are you doing, Vince? I'm doing great, Elliot. I'm really riled up for this episode. It's going to be it's going to be unique and it's going to be great. This is going to be a fantastic episode. We have been sort of crisscrossing the country uh, in a route that is circuitous and much to the chagrin of our producer Xander. But we find ourselves back in the Midwest. Uh, we couldn't be happy enough to be here. We couldn't even be more happy to be here. That's how happy we are to be where we are. And where are we, Elliot? Well, we are in a town that is in the state of Ohio. And Vince, if you'll recall, our great-great-grandfather, Rand McNally, had a more than a hand in shaping the state of Ohio. More than a hand, uh, some might say two hands and a, and a loaded rifle. So, if you'll recall also from being around McNally Manor growing up, Rand McNally had a secret room that you could only access through a bust of Christopher Columbus's head. You'd lift it up, press a button, and a bookcase would revolve to reveal a, a fire pole that you would slide down. And in that room is where he would make all of his maps, um, where he would sort of think about uh, his almanacs, think about writing. And he also had a lot of taxidermied animals on those walls. Uh, a historian, a consummate historian as he was, he liked to preserve memories, even those of living things. And taxidermy was how he expressed that. And a lot of those taxidermied animals came from the town we're in today. Vince, I say we should put it on the map. Couldn't have said it better myself, Elliot. So listeners at home, we welcome you now to unfurl, unfold, or unfetter your personal edition of the U.S. Rand McNally comprehensive U.S. wall map and pin it up, post it up, stick your commemorative push pin in central Ohio right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, listeners, we're in a town today called Davenport. It is home to the most kills of the final animal of many endangered species. Um, and to help us stick a pin in this map, we have a guest today. He is a local bounty hunter in Davenport. We couldn't be more than happy to have him. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, yes, hello there. Uh, my name's Ashley McDermott. People just call me Ash, and I'm very pleased to uh, be on the show with you guys here today. Well, Ash, it's certainly our pleasure to have you. Uh, Mr. McDermott is a, is a prominent member of Davenport Society, uh, kind of a local legend, a living legend, if you will. And he's been gracious enough to, to take some time out of his very busy schedule of hunting animals to join us today. Uh, without further ado, could you stick a pin in Davenport for us? Sure, sure. Not a problem at all. And, oh, 
There it is. Right there. Perfectly done. Perfectly done. He's a natural, wouldn't you say, Elliot? He is. He has the marksmanship of uh, a marksman, well, you, I would say. For you listeners at home, uh, believe it or not, I threw that pin from about 10, 12 feet away. It grazed my arm a little bit. I'm bleeding, but, you know, the show must go on, as they say. Uh, Ash, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into being a bounty hunter in Ohio, of all places? Well, uh, I started out as a legislator. But as a legislator, I came up with a particular law that was incredibly helpful for these bounty hunters. Um, It's called No Taxes on Taxidermy. You know, I I didn't believe that people should be taxed for the animals that they kill and the things that they decide to do with them. Uh, Naturally, I became a a big hit in the the community there. And I became friends with all of them, began to learn from the best, and I eventually became a bounty hunter myself. So that's an an amazing story, and I know that you are somewhat of a hero in the town because of the legislation work you've done, because of the hunting you've done. Ohio seems like it's a very interesting place to have the most kills of an endangered species. I mean, from what Vince and I have read, a lot of these are pretty unheard of species, you know, very mundane. You're not hunting buffalo and rhinoceros. You're hunting the red spotted squirrels, you know, your, your uh, blue footed possums. So can you sort of talk about some of your favorite animals that you've had the pleasure of ending their time on the planet? Sure. Sure. For me, it's not about the exoticness of the animal. It's about the, the rarity and it's about squelching them off the face of the earth. Anytime we get a chance to wipe out anything, we'll do it to show our power over creation. Um, what I'll say now is some of my favorite animals that we have uh, wiped out, um, the Douglas butterfly, um, very small, dainty creature, but uh, used to use BB guns to shoot them off tree limbs. Um, what else have we got here? Um, black-spotted ant. Uh, black-spotted ants were cruel creatures with a nasty bite. We took care of them. Uh, I'm not really sure. There's been so many at this point. So there's, I mean, a lot of those smaller animals, you don't really get the pleasure of taxidermying because when you shoot a, a butterfly with a BB gun, it just sort of disintegrates. And so are, are you more concerned of just ending those creatures' lives or do you want the prize? Do you want that, the mounting on the wall? Yeah, with those, with those creatures, we just want to end their lives. We'd like to destroy them. But with the ants, some of the ants uh, we've frozen and uh, keep them in a hypodermic chamber frozen there on the wall so we can see them. Wow. Ingenuity. Other ingenuity that Vince and I have noticed in this town is the the jargon, the vernacular. And we want to explore that in a segment we love. I know it's Vince's favorite segment. It's called Say What. So as Elliot alluded to, Say What is a kind of a etymological deep dive into what local flavor licks the lexicon of the town we're staying in. Uh, this town in particular, Davenport, is one that I've had my eye on for a long time for this segment. Um, some very unique vernacular uh, thrives where many species fail to thrive. And uh, I think no better person to give us the, the talk of the trade than uh, an actual bounty hunter himself, and the most famous one at that. Ash, what are your, some of your favorite sayings that you can only hear here in Davenport? Sure. Well, a phrase I used to hear around around town, starting with my grandmother, 
was uh, a classic phrase. A shave and a haircut, two bit. My old dog had six tits. And I've been saying that for quite some time, and uh, I don't suspect the phrase is going anywhere anytime soon. One of my personal favorites. So it's a shave and a haircut, two bits. My old dog <laughs> had six tits. Yes, it refers back to a time, a pure time, when it would cost you two coins to get a shave and a haircut. Um, but your dog still had six tits. So you had to deal with that when you got home. That's interesting to me. This is very interesting to me because you hear you hear what I would think is a truncated version of that saying uh, kind of across the country, shaving a haircut two bits is a, a, a bit of a known phrase, but the second part really changes the meaning. It's now about kind of the inevitability of life's struggles. I mean, not to mention the elusive six-titted dog that uh, now does not grace this planet because it went extinct right here in Davenport. Yeah, the six-titted dog was one of the first species that really got the town hooked on wiping out, you know, animals, wiping out species off the face of the earth. Were these dogs a menace to society, or what What was the catalyst for, for them to be extinct? Just generally sloppy. Just sloppy creatures. Like when they ate, the, like the food would kind of get over, and then you'd have to use a towel to... Slopping food off the table, slapping Joe's. You know, specialists like Joe's like to steal those right out of the palm of your hand. And around the time that people started getting real floors in this town rather than dirt floors, well, we just couldn't have these dogs dirtying them up anymore. So that, that's an interesting point to bring up, these, these dogs that are just making people's lives miserable. Uh, a word that I've heard thrown around a lot this week is a, a scallywapple. And what I've heard this refers to is a very rambunctious, often very precocious animal that gives the bounty hunters almost an Elmer Fudd, Bugs Bunny-type relationship with them. Are there any animals, Ash, that have done this to you, that are so elusive that you have not been able to track them down and kill them? Yes, a scallywapple is known as somewhat of a legend that many people believe can produce an invisibility, a quality of uh, no seeance that uh, you have to deal with as a hunter. One of the ones that has haunted me the most is the red-spotted bear. Uh, I saw a red-spotted bear in 94, spring of 94, just taking a dump in the woods. I pulled out my gun to shoot it down, shoot it dead, as it's probably the only red-spotted bear on the earth. Next thing I knew, it disappeared. Haven't seen it since. Is this the same bear that I've also heard the story of it dressing up in a in a tight-fitting red dress with a blonde wig and faking out hunters um, when they're trying to hunt it. Yeah, I got matched with a red-spotted bear on Tinder the other day. And, uh, of course, stood me up on the date because I had brought my gun. It probably knew better. But, but listen, wow. th- this is a real challenge here. Bear has gone through the lengths of even coming on to social media and, and playing in your arena turning the hunter into the hunted. He is in many ways your Moby Dick, your white whale. Yes, he is. You know, I I sleep with a diamond-studded hammer next to my bed every night just in case uh, something comes in on me and tries to make moves. I can swat it down, nail it to the ground. 
What is the animal that a diamond-studded hammer would kill? I mean, is it the silver bullet to a werewolf, or you know, a, what is the the corollary animal to a diamond-studded hammer? Well, a diamond-studded hammer is capable of killing any animal with the right amount of skill. The diamond studs came from uh, the president of Senegal, who rewarded me for some of my work over there hunting down animals. Okay, all right. Wow, a, a token from the leader of a great country, and a gift from one great man to another, I might be so bold as to say. Um, and speaking of saying, uh, are there any other you know phrases that any visitors to Davenport might need to know just to get their way around? Let me think about that. We do speak in code a little bit here. Uh, you know what they say, walk with your dimples on, put a frown on before you sit down. What it means is is, is basically entirely, when you're walking around in public saying hello to people, be a smiling guy. You know, be a happy guy. Don't be, don't be mad. Don't be sad in public. Don't show your emotions. Emotions are childish. A childish thing to have emotions. But when you're ready to get serious, when you're ready to sit down at a meeting, get serious. Put on a frown. Be upset. Go ahead and take things seriously and be very stern in meetings. And when you have a discussion, you should be very uh, frustratable. The, the town hall meetings in this town are horrible. Everyone's pissed the whole time. So do you, do you think if the, if the town hall meetings were held in such a way that people were walking around with, with their dimples on might be better, but because the, the town hall meeting is situated where everyone's sitting down, this is the case? No, uh, it's, it's how we want it to be. As we walk in and getting our coffee and mingling, we're all smiling, but as soon as we sit down, we all know you put on that frown. We don't want to see no smile when we're talking about serious subjects. Well, it brings up a good point. There are, of course, advocates of all of the killing of endangered species here, but I'm assuming there are people of a different mindset. Can, can you talk about those people a bit? Yeah, there's a woman named Shelley who hates us. Um, that's all I can really think of in this town. Other than that, it's pretty unanimous. Just the one woman? Yes, yeah, Shelley. Shelley doesn't stand for, for the killing of any animal, which is why she has a fly infestation in a house we won't swat them and a lot of cats we i feel like we've learned we've learned a lot not only about the way that people speak here in davenport but kind of uh in, in a deeper sense how the town operates and i think we have a good working knowledge but maybe we should uh, take a couple of stabs at more specific questions don't you think elliot i would love to i'm sure ash would love to help us out Wonderful. the segment you're referring to vince i believe is called wouldn't you like to know it sure is, Elliot. It's your chance as a listener to write in with your specific questions about the towns we're staying in, and we'll do our best to get those answers for you. Typically, we have time for three questions, so let's not waste any time. Uh, Elliot, do you have the first one? I can see you unfurling it in a scroll-like manner. It is a literal scroll. I am unfurling it. Let me. Sorry, guys, if you just want to back up, this is kind of a big... It, it's not the length of it, but it's they wrote it incredibly big. Um, so we just got to stand back here. So this is from Xavier in uh, Quigley, Montana. Well, thanks for writing in, Xavier. I hear Quigley is beautiful this time of season. I do, too. Um, so Xavier says, guys, I'm so glad you're in Davenport, Ohio. 
I'm a huge fan of the merciless killing of endangered species, and I'm a huge fan of Mr. Ash McDermott. Um, hey, you've got a fan, Ash. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, he specifically says, I'm a uh, voracious reader. I love Ash's book, The Next Most Dangerous Game. And I was wondering if you guys would read a little excerpt from it. Wow. Um, so, I mean, sure. that's a tall order, um, but I know, Ash, you brought uh, several copies of your book, and an unprecedented amount of copies of your book today. I always do. <laughs> and so uh, let me just give some background as to what this book is, um, give some context to it. The next most dangerous game, the tagline is On the Hunt for Love. And really, it's it's about a character who is has the same name as, as yourself, and falls in love with a woman whose son is missing in Davenport, Ohio, and you vow to her that you will find her son. At the same time, though, you're on the hunt for the red-striped beaver. And this, her son, is also wearing a red-striped sweater. So you end up on the hunt for this beaver, and you come to terms with either trying to blindly kill this beaver and accidentally killing this boy, or you know, putting down your weapon and setting differences aside and finding this boy and finding love. Yes. It's a, it's a tale of, uh, of two loves, really. The love for the game of hunting and the love for a woman who frankly touched my heart. I'll read a passage. Well, I think we could help you out here. Sure. So if you, if you want to be the narrator, and, and let's, I, I think the, the scene you have bookmarked is uh, right when you confront the boy, your your shotgun is drawn, and you believe him to be the beaver. Let's just set this scene up. As I approached the river bank, I saw a small thing crouching in the grass, red stripe, furry, ready, plump, ready to be shot. It was talking to me, but, of course, one of the greatest things about a red stripe beaver is that they talk as well, and I just didn't know was and what to do. Hey there, Red Stripe Beaver. And sorry, I don't I don't mean to be making fun of you. I just thought I should mimic your voice no, for this. People make fun of me all the time. Go ahead. Hey there, Beaver. Come come out of that hole. I, I'm no beaver. I'm a young boy. If you really are a young boy, then prove it. Look, look at me. You can see my face. It's a human face. <laughs> and then I think there's a, another little exposition here. Oh, yes. Ash? You see, thoughts were racing in my mind, swirling in my head, tornadoes of doubt. Trouble with the red strap beavers, it has a human face. Same voice, same face, <laughs> same just about everything. And without my glasses on, I couldn't tell the difference. I, I cannot tell the difference, and I need you to prove to me that you are the boy whom I seek. I don't know how, sir. Tell me how. What is your favorite candy bar? I like Butterfingers. That was enough for me. Butterfingers had been my lifelong main source of nutrition at lunchtime. And I knew from that moment, this could never be anything but a, a human boy. I rescued him there that day, and I never shot a red-spotted beaver since. It's, it's an amazing scene. Yeah. Powerful. Moving. I found love after that, so... It's the only time I've ever not killed something that I thought was endangered. And it turned out I had made the right move because it was a human. 
So my favorite uh, little cliffhanger ending of that is when your character puts his arm around the boy, and um, you say that you you feel something on the back of your leg, and so we're left this, with the scene not quite knowing if it was just a very wily beaver. Or if you did, in fact, find the real boy. Well, I rescued something. I don't know what it was. But uh, I chose, I'd rather err on the side of letting it survive and finding love. Of course, uh lives with the woman now. Either she's mm-hmm. living with the boy or with uh, a red strap beaver. So this was a true story. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, either way, it sounds like it got a happy ending. Uh, what a great question and insightful ask, and thank you again so much, Ash, for, for reading us that passage. It was, it was really powerful stuff. Um, and Ash, if you do us another favor, it looks like you've got the next question in front of you there. Yes, I do. A uh, simple question from uh, Wesley Johnson in uh, Lake Tahoe, California. Thanks for writing. Wesley is wondering, what is the town's local favorite restaurant? Where would you go to eat on a Sunday afternoon if you were hungry? What a great question. Sure, yeah. You guys have been in this town for a few days now. Have you tried anything you like? You know, Ash, this is sort of my forte. And I know, Vince, you're rolling your eyes at me right now. But, um, you know, I, I am a vegan, and we we do a little segment on the show called Elliot's Eats in which I investigate the t- local town fair. Um, it's been really interesting to me that most of the restaurants in town are actually serving these endangered species. What about you, Vince? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's great for, for a carnivore like me to be able to feast on the various meats of, of different animals. Of course, it is a little bit limiting because they only serve the animals they kill. So some, some days you've only got butterfly carcasses to snack on. I think my favorite restaurant is Survival of the Fullest. And... It's an all-you-can-eat buffet of whatever endangered species has been killed that day. It's lovely. It's uh, it's actually illegal to be a vegan here, so you wouldn't last long in this town, Elliot. We welcome all sorts of cuisine other than vegan. Well, I know your food pyramid uh, displayed prominently all over the town has is just several meat groups stacked on top of each other. Yes, well, you have lighter meats and you have heavier meats. Of course, you have a solid foundation of lard at the very bottom. That's just all the fattiest meats and the fattiest cuts that that you can find. Because that's what what your body will put into storage right away, long-term storage. We're not talking about short-term caloric gains. We're talking about preparing yourself for the long winter, should it ever come. You treat your body like a meat locker. Yes, I, I treat my body like a bear before hibernation. You've got to prepare for the worst. And if I weigh 350 pounds, well, if I ever needed to, I could probably go for three or four months without eating a bite of food as long as I had some water. Truly the uh, the hunter's mentality. A survivalist through and through. Uh, first and foremost, to to be the hunter, you must feel as the prey. Uh, I think Sun Tzu said that, and I think you are exhibiting that capability, Ash. Sure. Um, and, and a great question uh, as well um, from for, from uh, Lake Tahoe, uh, a place Elliot and I both love to visit. I've got the last one here, folks, uh, and I'll do the honors of reading. It's a tweet. It the tweet is from. These parts, 
number one, yay, yay, yay. We, we love that people are incorporating these parts into their Twitter handles, into their lives. Uh, Vince, what do they have to say? Uh, it's, a, it's a short one because it's a tweet, and it, it reads pretty simply, movie, comma, deliverance, colon, filmed in Davenport, checkmark emoji, talk about it, please, question mark emoji. Hmm. So what I'm deciphering is this person is misinformed. I think that's clear to everyone. So uh, unfortunately, this is not the town from the 1970s thriller Deliverance. And if you're on Twitter, pop on over to Google and check that out. Um, You know, I will say that there were a lot of animal carcasses strewn about in the movie. And the director did in fact, get a lot of those animal carcasses from uh, Mr. Ash McDermott here in Davenport. Yes, he did, but I had to bring him to bring the carcasses to him in another town. Of course, we're very thankful for that movie here in Davenport because we've benefited so much from the surplus visitors that are coming to this town thinking it's the town where the movie was filmed, and we get a lot of tourism from it. You know, we run into that a lot, Ash, more than you'd expect. Um, a oh, lot yeah, of no. people, yeah, a lot of people just think that uh, this movie was filmed in literally any town other than where it was actually filmed in America. So, Vince, uh, I feel like we've come across this question more than once. I think at least two or three times we've run into it on this show. Um, and it, it always amazes me how people could be so convinced but maybe it's, it's, it's just that sort of thing. It's like a, a piece of folklore in and of itself, huh, Elliot? Listen, it's a powerful movie. You know, who wouldn't want it to be in the town that they live in? I think people believe what they want to believe, and it's one of the most important movies of all time. So, you know, this is no surprise to me, guys. Well said, Ash. It's a powerful movie, and our next topic is pretty powerful as well. It sure is. You alluded to it a little bit already, uh, Ash, uh, being that veganism is all but outlawed here in, in Davenport. Let's look at some more ways to run afoul of the law in our segment that we call You Can't Do That Here. Would you like me to get into some of the laws here that are different from other, way, other places? Oh, we'd love that. Of course, I created some of them as a legislator. When I first began, Uh, one of the laws is just something that we consider a moral law, to not be wasteful. It's it's the clean plate club, essentially. You're not allowed to have food on your plate that you don't finish. It's illegal. You can't throw it out. Problem is, people's eyes are bigger than the stomachs here, and we only eat meat. So the people of this town are very overweight. I mean, staunchly obese. But it's something we deal with because we're not willing to waste food that we're grateful for. So I remember when when we were sitting down to survival of the fullest and I um, realized right off the bat that I could not eat anything. Um, I sat down and I had already grabbed some stuff on my plate. And uh, when I went to turn back to the waiter, the the fuzz just stormed into the restaurant and hauled me off. And so I, I feel like this happens a lot in different restaurants here when people are just, you know, they're they're done with their meal and they're about to pay their bill and then the waiter calls the cops on them because they realize they hadn't finished their third helping of steak. It does happen quite often and the fine is very heavy. 
that you'll receive if you break this law, not to mention a, a night or two of prison time. And uh, the town benefits from this law. Uh, one of the primary ways we bring in revenue. We use that revenue to help our citizens. So, that's that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, are there any laws that um, pertain to the actual ceremonious killing of endangered species? Are there any regulations on that, or is it just sort of what feels good? There, there is a law that is somewhat of a provision against both the eating law, which we rake in so much money from, and the uh, propensity to, to hunt. It's, there's no parking tickets allowed in this town. You, you actually can't get a parking ticket, no matter what you do. The reason for that is because if you're driving down a busy road and you see an animal that you'd like to kill, there shouldn't be any reason you can't stop your car in the middle of the road, block all traffic for as long as the hell you want, and shoot that animal down dead. Serve it up to the good people of this town. So no matter where you put your car, you ain't going to get a parking ticket. And that's something that people take great comfort in here around this town. It's a law that I'm very proud of myself. Well, I think, you know, we ran into that, Vince, when we were coming into town. Um, somebody did just that. Uh, they killed uh, the, the blue-bellied elk. And that was the final blue-bellied elk on this planet. But wouldn't you know it if they didn't cut it up, fry it up, and went back to the long line of traffic they have backed up and and served a little piece to each each person so i think there's you know there's a, a lot of camaraderie that comes with this and those people were very grateful it's amazing really that this town is in such a central location along the earth that we have the cross paths of so many species that just happen to wander through this town in their last days uh it's really unfortunate for the endangered species of this planet but it's very fortunate for the people of uh, Davenport. And, I mean, as you said, a, a lot of them are, are causing a ruckus, you know, and, and the town and the society is better served without them. Yeah, wonderful. Yes, absolutely. We're better off uh, without any animals, really. Even though you're, you're eating these animals, you think you're better off with that, without them? Well, we look forward to the day when all the animals on Earth are extinct because we've eaten all of them. And we're forced to improvise, use our fat storage while we do it, and move on to new planets, uh, different solar systems, where we can hunt new game, explore new creatures, uh, new tastes in our mouths for our palates. Uh, we're very uh, big foodies around here, and uh, we're excited to see what may come next. So so let me just get this straight here. You're, you're basically banking on a very accelerated space race to new planets to get more endangered species, essentially, once you've gotten to the bottom of the barrel of the ones on Earth? Yes. The hunger for meat is unlike any hunger on this Earth, and it will drive a man to do almost anything. It will spurn innovation, advances in technology. The only problem I foresee is the meat sweats on the way to the new planet. It's going to be very hard to make that long journey throughout a space uh, without any meat. I've had, I've had meat sweats before. They're not fun. It's somewhat like a withdrawal from meat. Um, you just start sweating out a disgusting, a disgusting uh, kind of sweat. Wow. I, I mean, I don't envy that, but I commend you for your ability to, you know, look at that and think of the positives that could come out of it. 
Um, and I didn't know that, Vince, did you? I had no idea. It's really opened my eyes and, and opened my mind, I would even say. And open your mouth to more meat. That didn't sound right. But I'll tell you something. Everybody likes a good old hunk of steak. That's for sure. Whether it's elk, cow, buffalo, or horse. The three, the three pillars of meat. Uh, elk, cow, buffalo. And then the fourth being horse. I mean, insightful stuff, as always. I feel like this episode has really been a goldmine, a wealth of information and quality knowledge. I hope we can mine just a little bit more of that in our favorite segment, Did You Know? So listeners, Did You Know? is our fast fact trivia segment. We, We know you guys don't have a lot of time, and so... We distill all the juiciest best facts into this rapid-fire segment. Uh, Vince, Ash, I got the first one for you guys. Sounds great. Vince and Ash, did you know that because of this impending meat space race, Davenport, Ohio is building its own Cape Canaveral? Is that true? I had no idea, Elliot. That's very true. And is true. As Ash, you mentioned... um, you know, the, the journey to other distant planets is very long, and so I think the main feature of this uh, Davenport Space Center is uh, the chamber, the withdrawal chamber, they call it, and basically you're supposed to be locked in there for 30 days at a time and uh, with no meat. You can have any, any other food you want, just no meat, and people choose to sort of eschew all of other food as well, um, and the the rules are you're not supposed to be let out regardless of what the person says and it's really just building tolerance to uh make those extended journeys yeah well most of the people in this town have grown so accustomed to meat their bodies can't handle other foods anymore if i were to eat a piece of broccoli i would blow up so it's just uh you know we're testing people we're training people we're we're making them go through something difficult now so that they can do something truly remarkable later. Nobody wants to die, but everybody wants to go to heaven. you got to understand that, guys. Well, I mean, that, that's a very responsible thing to do. And it makes a lot of sense. I had no idea that that was a thing, Elliot, but did you know that the school uniforms here in Davenport are old school safari fatigues? I didn't know. I, I did feel sort of like I was on a safari walking around town when school would let out, though. Yeah, it's it's typical to feel that way. Uh, all the way down to the to the flat build canvas sun hats to the the baggy shorts of a tiger stalker. Every child in this town grows up feeling like a hunter. Isn't that right, Ash? Not only feeling like a hunter, but hunting. Sometimes hunting, well, sometimes hunting other hunters. There are a lot of fights in the schools here growing up, and some of them get quite dangerous. Teachers often have to break up fights before students hurt each other. That's because of the hunting mentality that we create. We realize that there are drawbacks to our attitudes and dispositions toward life, but we think the benefits outweigh any harm that could be done. Insightfully said, uh, and with that... So maybe you could school us a little bit, Ash. Do you have the next did you know for us? Yeah, I have a very interesting fact um, that I actually found out recently from my cousin um, here in Davenport. Um, 
Listen, do you remember the uh, outfit that Lady Gaga wore that was entirely made of meat? Of course. Yeah, we have a poster of that right behind you, actually. It was quite the statement. The stylist that designed the outfit and came up with the idea for that is from Davenport. It's no surprise, but it is an, it is an, interesting, uh, an interesting fact that uh, Davenport has touched celebrity culture in that way. Of course, Lady Gaga was trying to make some other kind of statement. Don't know what it was, don't care. But the people of Davenport are the ones who provided the meat, styled the outfit. It really wasn't anything unusual for us because people wear meat suits here all the time. It's a convenient way to eat your way through the day. By the end of it, you eat the last piece of meat that's hanging off your body and you go to bed naked. Wake up in the morning, put on another slab of meat, and uh, munch throughout the day. It's really a wonderful way to live. You wear your, you wear your food, you wear your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, and all your snacks in between. You never have to worry about carrying them around. The innovation in this town, I think, is second to none. I didn't know that. But, Vincent Ash, did you know that Davenport, speaking of suits, is constantly plagued by Cruella DeVille-like villains trying to make suits out of various animals? Elliot, it makes a lot of sense in the abstract, but I didn't know it. Well, and I, I'm sure you'll attest to this, Ash, that most of the time, um, people like your fashion designer friend for Lady Gaga would be all for this. But it's the people that are clearly lurking in the shadows, using this for uh, ill intent, that the people of Davenport just don't stand for. Do you have an example, maybe, of you know someone that came to town trying to uh, hire someone to make a suit out of specific animals for rather malicious deeds? Corella Deville has been here many times and made many, many kinds of suits. I'll tell you this much. The last time she was here, she tried to kill a bear to make a bathing suit out of bear fur. And, and she did. She made the bathing suit. Was there an uproar from the citizens? There was an uproar, not because the bear was killed, um, but because who wants to wear a furry bathing suit? Sounds awfully That's true. hot. That's true. It doesn't seem like it's going to dry very quickly. Just not a great idea. You know, we're very concerned with fashion here. It's the second leading industry after meat in Davenport. That's amazing. That's, I mean, just look at how you're dressed. You're immaculate in your meat suit right now. Yes, I am. I've got a scoop neck meat t-shirt on. And, uh, uh, you know, I've got my meat uh, shoes, uh, lace-up, pump-up meat shoes. Got little meat pumps on the side so I can blow them up and do athletic exercises in them. And then, of course, my pants. Uh, you know, for anyone that listening doesn't quite understand, um, they're meat slacks. Uh, they're made entirely of venison, uh, tight fit with a tapered leg. They look really good. You know, you wouldn't even be able to tell that they're made out of meat uh, if you hadn't purchased a pair before. We're going to post photos of Ash McDermott on our website later. Um, VJ will post those later, and you can comment on them on the forums. I had no idea that that was the case at all. Yeah, have a bite. Oh, it's, it's saltier than I would have imagined. Yeah, and now i got a hole in my knee. But that's part of the style, see? Well, and they're so delicious, I'm sure. Yes, they are. Guys, did you know that here in Davenport, it's illegal to screen any episodes of Looney Tunes in which Bugs Bunny is present. I, I didn't know that. Why is that, Vince? Well, I, I'm sure Ash can expound on this just a little bit, but one of Bugs Bunny's 
you know, most famous exploits is making two two hunters, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam, uh, seem like fools and, and kind of screwing up their pursuit of the game. And this is seen as disparaging to the youth of Davenport, and, and it's not fit for their eyes. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Elmer Fudd is an incredible role model for this town. We don't like to see examples of his failures. No one's perfect, and we don't need to dwell on you know, the shortcomings of Elmer Fudd and, and his hunting abilities. 60% of the, the young people in this town are named Elmer. That means every single male making up the first 50% is named Elmer, plus 10% of females are still named Elmer. They're all named after Elmer Fudd. So, you know, we, we're not trying to be overarching with our law. We, we don't mean to overreach, break the Constitution, but something like Bugs Bunny just doesn't need to be seen around here. Well, and it would explain the giant meat statue of Elmer Fudd in the town square that people idolize and have to use every bit of their ability to not eat. They do. It's replaced on the reg. So. Wow. wow. I've, I've learned a lot from this whole episode and from specifically that segment. What a cornucopia of, of life death and, and and the relationship between the two that this town has become uh, l- let me thank you so much ashley mcdermott for your time here with us uh, it's been super insightful and, and let me thank the listeners and my brother can join in uh with a segment we call wish you were here listeners wish you were here is our weekly audio letter to you as my brother eloquently put we thank you so much for listening we thank ash mcdermott for being with us And we want to show our gratitude by a little audio letter that starts something like this. Dear listener, wish you were here in Davenport, Ohio. The town famous for ending the lives of the most endangered species in the country. And a town that Ash McDermott, expert bounty hunter, fashionista, and novelist calls home. A town where you might not want to come looking for a piece of broccoli, but you should definitely keep an eye open for peace of red-bellied woodpecker. And peace of mind. In a town where a shave and a haircut may not cost two bits anymore, but you can better believe you won't have to deal with a dog that has six tits. That's right. In a town where the thirst and the lust for the hunt has created amazing things and will create amazing things well into the future. Farewell from these parts to yours. Hey listeners, thanks again for listening to another episode of These Parts. Tune in next week when Vince and I are in Yeehaw, Wyoming. Yeehaw, Wyoming is the aptly named home for the nation's least attended rodeo, but the biggest community of rodeo clowns. It should be interesting.